Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. Today is Wednesday, November the 24th, 2021. <clears throat> I am Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, and I am here to go over a very exciting pre-Thanksgiving NBA 13-game slate. That is correct. 26 teams playing right in my wheelhouse. We love big slates at Coach Talk, and I am very excited to go through all of them with you. Uh, I'm going to try to really get through these quick, get all our regular stats up there. We'll break it down, look at the injuries, the uh, game set as far as uh, you know records and uh, the matchups in specifically and a statistical analysis as well. So we better get started here. We've got the 13 games to get through. I will say this real quickly, though. We have a massive announcement that we're going to be making tomorrow for uh, a real a tremendous a special to join DFS Coach Talk that we're going to launch for Black Friday through Cyber Monday. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, you'll have your opportunity to join Coach Talk at the best rate and price that we've ever offered. So stay tuned for that. Uh, our, our guys behind the scenes, John Wehausen, uh, Brett Trimble, of course, Andrew Hansen and, and the gang are all working on that. And uh, that should be announced uh, tomorrow. So keep a close eye out. Or if you want to see that online, uh, just go to dfscoachtalk.com and, and that uh, Black Friday slash Cyber Monday special will be on there. We'd love to have you. Perfect time of the year to join with football and basketball in its prime time. All right, here we go. We're going to get after this. We've got, again, 13 games, which is going to be something else. Uh, the uh, switching around to the different games and trying to watch and watch them on DirecTV with all the little squares. You can barely see them. Uh, it gets a little crazy, but it is fun. So here we go. Game one, 7 p.m. Eastern, Phoenix Suns, Cleveland Cavaliers. Phoenix is favored by seven and a half. You have a 209 and a half total. Implied for Phoenix, 108.5 for Cleveland, 101. Game set on this one, we've got Phoenix coming in at 14 and three, Cleveland at nine and nine. Injuries, Nader questionable for Phoenix, Kaminsky and Saric out. Uh, looks like Jetty Osman is probable for Cleveland. Garland is the big one. We need to know. That's an important one. He's questionable. So let's follow that news. We'll know ahead of time since it's an uh, early game. And then Mobley remains out along with Stevens. Statistically speaking, we've got Phoenix uh, fifth in pace in the league. So it is a pace-up game for Cleveland. Cleveland is 23rd. Uh, we've got offensive efficiency. Phoenix playing great basketball. Uh, they are 7th and Cleveland 25th. Defensive efficiency makes this game not as quite as appealing. Phoenix is 3rd. They've continued to move up almost every game. And uh, Cleveland, who we know has been played a top 10 defense uh, throughout this season, which has led to wins for them, is now 11th. So they're still up there, but uh, starting to slide uh, just a bit. A um, couple of things then, game notes here. If Garland plays, then that takes a little bit of uh, emphasis away from 
probably a Ricky Rubio start if he sits. I think Rubio is a great play. If Garland plays, it makes it a little bit tough because Phoenix's defense is uh, really strong. And, you know, Garland and Rubio have been sharing some usage of late. Uh, the other uh, price guys, though, that are all pretty cheap that can be played here, uh, I believe Laurie Markinen at 5-4. He dusted off the last game after missing a bit and looked great. He was right in rhythm and going after it. So I think he's a good price. Um, really with 26 teams playing, you don't have to – I'm not even going to mention the guys today like the Okoros at 4-7, the Dean Wades at 4-9. Because those those aren't giveaways. They're not 3K mins or anything. And really, if, if you're playing Okoro and Wade together today, uh, you're in trouble. Let's just say it that way. So I'll, I'm going to be sticking to the guys that are either massive value or guys like Garland and Rubio who are going to lead their team in usage. On the Phoenix side, you've got Chris Paul at 8K. And let me say this. Nobody plays tomorrow. NBA takes Thanksgiving Day off. So you have nobody on the front end of a back-to-back. -back. There are four teams on the second night of a back-to-back, -back, but most of these games are island games. So we're going to see a good dose of, of these guys uh, in tonight's game, which really helps uh, when you break these down. And it also makes guys playable like Chris Paul at 8K, Devin Booker at 8-6. You can even look at Mikael Bridges as a value play at 5-1. Uh, if you want to go up, to center in this game, which I'm not going to. You've got both centers, DeAndre Ayton and Jared Allen at 7-4. All right, next game. Here we go. We're going to keep this ball moving. We've got another 7 o'clock game, Charlotte Hornets, Orlando Magic. Charlotte favored by 8. It's a 218.5 over under. Uh, the implied total for Charlotte, 113.25, and for the Orlando Magic, 105.25. Uh, Charlotte comes in at an improved 11 and 8. They're, they're uh, playing good ball. Orlando has been facing a lot of injuries here, as and same today. They're 4 and 14, and will definitely be up against it uh, in this one. Injury wise, you've got a PJ Washington doubtful for Charlotte. And then you have a bunch of guys out here. Orlando, uh, first of all, has Gary Harris is questionable. So we may get some Gary Harris minutes, which will make a difference in that lineup and rotation. Their star so far this year, Cole Anthony, out. We've still yet to see uh, anything from MCW, Fultz, Isaac, or more. Statistically speaking, this game, we've got um, the Charlotte Hornets uh, sitting pace-wise at third. In Orlando at 12th, so that's a positive. Uh, 218 and a half is not a bad a total either. Offensive efficiency, Charlotte 11th, Orlando 27th. A lot of young guys on that squad. But here's the thing that draws you to this game. You've got two subpar defensive teams for sure. Charlotte 24th and Orlando 28th. So there are minutes here that are going to equal some big numbers. Um, you know, the first thing that jumps out to me, though, is LaMelo Ball is 10-7. He is up there with the real big boys now. So, I mean, I absolutely love Ball in this game, but I just can't find myself to spend 10-7 when there's 
you know, 15 other great buy-ups just, you know, in case they blow them out. Uh, I know that the, the, the uh, line is only eight, but uh, Orlando's just so shorthanded. They got just creamed the last game out. And, uh, you know, without Cole Anthony's their leader, it's going to be tough to stick in there. So not paying way up for him. Terry Rozier came in with a terrific game, his ceiling game last time around. He's at 6'3". Hayward at 6'7", you know, and, and Bridges at 7'8". Those are the four guys uh, that I would consider. Now, if it does, the game does get to be, you know, double digits, 14, 15, you may see a little bit more of Kelly Oubre at 4-3, and his DFS points per minute have been outstanding this year. So he can be uh, a possible spot uh, right there as well. All right, uh, Orlando, uh, more than likely Suggs is going to get a ton of play. He deserves it in the fact that he's 4-8. So you got a sub-K player that's really going to take on a lot of usage here uh, with uh, – with Cole Anthony out. However, uh, I, I'm really interested in, in the Gary Harris news because if he does sit, it brings the guy I like in there a lot, RJ Hampton. And I know he got a lot of his points on mop-up time, but I think he gets you know, additional minutes if Harris sits big time, he's guaranteed. And then if it does blow out, like I think it could, uh, he's even going to be uh, rewarded even more. And he's the problem is he's 4'9". So explain to me how R.J. Hampton is 4'9", and Jalen Suggs is 4'8". One of the stranger things uh, out there. So I think, I doubt many people are going to look at those two guys and say, okay, Hampton's the play. So he's going to be very low owned, but maybe that's a reason to get to him, especially if Harris is out. So strategic little spot there. The other guys in this game, I think Franz Wagner, whose price never goes up, and he makes he makes value very often. He's 3-9. And then you got the two bigs, both super priced. Wendell Carter Jr. at 5-5 five, five, and Mo Bamba down to 6-4. So I like the Orlando side a lot more pricing-wise. They're way down, and Charlotte's prices are way up. So I know it sounds crazy on a game that could blow out one of the weaker teams, but I, on a 26-game slate, I'm looking at possibly rostering two value plays from Orlando in the combination of Suggs, Hampton, Wagner, Carter, or Bamba. So let's follow that news. I think that could be a nice little edge on the slate that no one else is looking at. All right, we've got 7 p.m. game also, Los Angeles Lakers. They are on the second night of a back-to-back against the Indiana Pacers. Indiana's favored by three and a half. The uh, 218 and a half, like I say, is the total. 107.5 implied for LA, uh, 111 for Indiana. And the Lakers uh, played, you know, again, back to back. Not many teams are. Indiana's on an island. Um, Lakers are nine and 10, so they're looking to get to 500. Indiana's trying to scratch back to 500 themselves uh, got a few games to get there but they're 8 and 11 and showing some improvement. We've got uh Reeves is probable and then we've got Ariza and none out for the Lakers. Lavert is the question mark for Indiana, so that would be good news to know. TJ Warren remains out. <clears throat> 
game set here on statistical look. We've got um, the Lakers second in pace in the league, Indiana 17th. Uh, offensive efficiency, Lakers, as we saw last night again, 23rd in offensive efficiency, Indiana 15th. As far as defensive efficiency, Lakers all the way down to 18th now, lower half for a team that, that led uh, the last two seasons have been in the top three or four pretty consistently. They're 18th. Indiana's 13th, so they've moved up a little bit. Um, interesting to see what, what uh, is going to happen here on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. <clears throat> um, Russell Westbrook at 10-3, certainly capable of getting to his number, similar to what he did last night. Um, LeBron is back, though, and AD's playing. As of now, it's full Laker squad. So I think they come out. Pretty ticked off today. I think, you know, their players uh, are going to – it's going to be a tough one for Indiana, in my opinion, even though they're an underdog. You got, the you know, the regular lineup now that they're trying to go with with Westbrook, Bradley, James, Davis, and Jordan, and then moving THT back off the bench with Carmelo. Problem is pricing. Russell is 10-3, LeBron 10-8, and AD 11 that is a lot of salary and a lot of split usage for a team that has not played that well. So really in this type of a build uh, with this many teams playing, you can only afford one of those three. And the question would be which one? I mean, Russell's going to get Malcolm Brogdon defense. <clears throat> so that's not going to be a piece of cake. Um, LeBron should get a mixture of guys. He's probably the best play of this group. He's, he's rested. He just missed that last game, not because of injury, but because of the cheap shot he gave to poor old Isaiah Stewart. Um, and he's lucky Isaiah didn't catch him because that would have not been too pretty. So <clears throat> LeBron at 10-8, everybody's giving him all kinds of business for the cheap shot. I think he's got something to prove. All you have to do is give any type of narrative to, to LeBron to have to go out and prove everybody wrong. And so I hate to say it, but I, I do lean to him, even though he's got that big price of 10.8. I think you can get him, you know, pretty low owned uh, on a slate like this. Anthony Davis at 11, having to deal with Sabonis and Turner inside, I don't think is ideal. On the Indiana side, it'd be nice if I'm going to go LeBron to come back with somebody on the other side of the ball. You know, uh, Malcolm Brogdon is a nice play at 7.6. Um, the problem is I do think he's going to get some Avery Bradley defense, um, which <clears throat> definitely is a deterrent for me. Um, I don't quite want to go up to Zab Sabonis at 8-5. He is playing better of late, but I don't trust Carlisle's rotations and you know the way that, that he just substitutes guys. I don't think he's getting maximum, at least DFS usage uh, for us in any way. So not really crazy <clears throat> on the Indiana side. Need a sip of coffee. All right, much better. Okay, let's let's head on to the next game. We've got uh, our first 7.30 game, actually our only 7.30 game of the night. It's the Brooklyn Nets and the Boston Celtics. This should be a barn burner. Brooklyn favored by one on the road in Boston. That ought to get them ticked off as well. 
216, not a bad total. 108.5 implied for Brooklyn, 107.5 implied for the Boston Celtics. Coming into the game, Brooklyn, an impressive 13 and 5. Boston, actually, an impressive 10 and 8 because they've had guys out constantly between Jalen Brown and uh, Robert Williams II, and they just had a lot of fluctuation in their lineups. Uh, so not a bad record for either squad. Injury-wise, Brooklyn's got Brown, Claxton, Harris, and Irving remain out. So they've sort of gotten used to little Patty Mills and DeAndre Bembry uh, getting starts and minutes now consistently, and they're playing pretty good. Uh, when you have Harden and Durant, it, it helps a little bit. Uh, and then injury-wise, Jalen Brown, that's the news we need. He is questionable. So that is going to be very important. Also, Josh Richardson is questionable. And he's sneakily had some decent games, and he gets usage. So if both of those guys are out, man, it's hard not to gravitate right to Jason Tatum. Now, I know he'll get some you know, robust defense from DeAndre Bembry uh, that could – but could slow him down a little bit, but Jason Tatum is tough. Um, you know, we, we'll need to talk about that possibility there, but that's only if Brown and or Richardson are out for me, especially Brown. <clears throat> All right. We're looking at statistically speaking, we've got uh, Brooklyn is 11th in pace, Boston 22nd. Uh, offensive efficiency, Brooklyn 8th, Boston 16th. Here's the problem. Even though the 216 total in a close game, you've got two of the top seven defenses in the league. Brooklyn fifth and Boston seventh. So definitely, you know, that is a little bit of a deterrent. Are you going to spend up big here? You know, that's the question. You, there's certainly targets here a lot of people will go after. But Harden is 11-7. Durant is 11-2. And on the other side of the ball, Tatum is 10-1. So, man, I'll tell you what, it is not going to be easy to eliminate, build a roster, eliminate, because there's just so many great plays here. I mean, certainly Harden uh, or Durant are very strong plays, and Tatum on the other side. For me, you know, I want to see if Jalen Brown sits, then Tatum becomes one of my major buy-ups. If he doesn't, then... I'm not going to go there just because you can be so picky today. Um, Harden and Durant, you know, 11-7, 11-2. I'm tempted on Durant, um, but, you know, if I was going to go with a guy from Brooklyn, that's where I'd go. I'm not sure I want to go full pay up there. There is a lot of value that you can find on this slate, so it's, it's not impossible to do, but it's, you know, it is a lot of to commit to. The cheaper guys here that it all are in play to me. If you're looking for value, Patty Mills at 4-7, DeAndre Bembry at 3-4. You have uh, LaMarcus Aldridge at 5-3. And again, these are all island games. So these guys, you know, aren't playing tomorrow. So they're going to let these guys get some minutes. And LMA has been great this year. He has really done well points per minute uh, when he plays. On the other side, Marcus Smart's pretty inexpensive at 5-4. And um, <clears throat> Al Horford getting up there a little bit at 7-3. Uh, Robert Williams, if he's on full minutes at 5-6, could be an option as well.
All right, we go to an 8 o'clock game. Toronto Raptors, Memphis Grizzlies. Memphis by 3, 220 over under, so we love that. 108.5 implied for Toronto, 111.5 for Memphis. So that is immediate interest uh, on my behalf there. So this there's a bunch of 8 o'clock games, so let's see. Where does this one fall? Here it is. Wow, there are a lot of games at that time frame. Uh, Toronto 8 and 10, Memphis 9 and 8. So two teams hovering around the 500 mark. Uh, massive news for two guys, especially one guy. OG Ananobi, questionable. Very important to know that news. Uh, Precious Achua, also questionable. That's important as well. It definitely shuffles the deck there in Toronto. So we need those. Uh, Watanabe, Watanabe, I always say both pronunciations as those who listen on a regular basis. No, he is questionable. Dylan Brooks is questionable for Memphis. So this game, you know, to me, the two most important guys on the floor, for one for each team, Ananobi and Brooks. They're the great defenders. They also have uh, usage offensively. They change the entire rotation of these teams. So <clears throat> I'm not going to waste an enormous amount of time uh, on on these guys on these two teams until we know that information. But uh, Melton and Merrill are out, so DeAnthony Melton is still out uh, for Memphis, along with Brooks being questionable. As far as the statistical look here, we've got um, where are we at. Well, I can't believe how, how many games are at 8 o'clock. I've never seen this before. Toronto is 24th in pace, Memphis 10th. And then offensive efficiency, Toronto 12th and Memphis 10th. So they know how to score the ball, hence the 220 total. Defensive efficiency. This is why this game is circled on my sheet. Toronto 21st, Memphis last, which is just amazing to me that they're last. But... Again, without Dylan Brooks, they just don't get it done defensively. So from a, you know, again, I don't want to spend too much time on a game until we know the, the, the situation. If Ananobi's in, he's playable at 7-2. If he's out, it really escalates for me. Scotty Barnes at 6-6, Gary Trent at 6-1. I think you can also consider Fred Van Bleet at 7-8. Um, if presses. Precious Achua sits. Siakam will probably start at center. He's been very inconsistent, tough to depend on at that 8-1 tag. Um, Birch is getting a decent run off the bench for really the only true center for them if Achua's out, and he's 3-8. So we need that news. John Morant's at 9-8, so he's, at least he's down below 10 again. Certainly playable. Again, they're rested. I think he could be... Uh, you know, a monster here. One of the payup options for me. Desmond Bain, he smashed for me last time at 5-5. Five, five. He's a terrific play if Brooks sits because uh, uh, that usage goes pretty much directly to him. Brooks, if he's in, he's only 5-7. If he's not on a minutes restriction, then you can consider him. But I need to do some real homework there because if they're going to cap his minutes, then certainly unplayable. Uh, not interested in, in the others on that side of the ball. <clears throat> All right, next game. Again, one of the million 8 o'clock games. We've got 
the Detroit Pistons at the Milwaukee Bucks. Blowout city potential here. Milwaukee's 14 and a half point favorite. 215 total, 100.25 implied for Detroit. 114.75 for Milwaukee. Um, interesting game here, without question. And then as far as the game set, Detroit 4-13, Milwaukee 10-8 and and getting some momentum. Injuries, Killian Hayes, Kelly Olenek, Isaiah Stewart all out for Detroit. Um, Milwaukee, Brooke Lopez is at least bumped to the doubtful. He's been out forever, so I don't expect him to play, but we know he's getting close. DiVincenzo and Ojale remain out. From the statistical side, we've got the second night of a back-to-back for Detroit, so that hurts even more on the blowout. Uh, definitely concerned. You know, I was concerned about the blowout last time, and it definitely costs major guys for Milwaukee minutes, and it could very well do that again. So, you know, proceed with caution as you're rostering anybody here. Um, we've got uh, 15th in pace for Detroit, 8th for Milwaukee. Offensive efficiency, Detroit only 28th, uh, Milwaukee 14th, and then defensive efficiency, Detroit's 23rd. They're pretty much bad in everything, and Milwaukee's 12th. So as we look at this breakdown here, uh, Detroit's been an awesome value team uh, the last week uh, with their guys out. Corey Joseph, who's done a fine job, 4-4, so they haven't adjusted his uh, price. So, I mean, he's another go-to guy here at that price uh, rating. Kate Cunningham's all the way up to 7-6, but he deserves it. You know, he threw a triple-double in there as well. Uh, certainly their main, uh, really, usage guy at this point. I, he surpassed even Grant as far as, you know, just touches and shots and in-play DFS-wise. So 7-6 isn't out of the question if this game stays close enough. He's not... Uh, getting really that mop-up time like he did before. He's, you know, one of the, he's really the key guy and is, is going to get minutes if it's a ball game. <clears throat> Not interested in Sadiq Bay. Grant's a little too high at seven. Uh, Luca Garza still dead men 3K. He got massive foul trouble yesterday. I still think he's a good play though. I, I know it's super, super risky and maybe just only a GPP wise. But at 3K, I mean, you know, I think he gets 20-plus uh, points here. And it does open up the opportunity to get two super studs rather than one. Uh, but risky, no question about it. If he stays out of foul trouble, though, uh, I think he can do all right. Um, other than that, we've, you know, from their side of the ball, just a lot of bench guys. Nobody that I think is even worth mentioning. Trey Lyles at 3-2. He's just not that good. Um, and then as, as far as, uh, the bucks go, I mean, can you pay 12, two for Giannis in a, a spread that's 14 and a half and an over under only two fifteen? as much as I think he's the best DFS player, uh, points wise, I, I can't go there at that price holiday reasonable at six, nine. You can think about Middleton at that normal seven, five mid sevens rating. Uh, salary-wise, is is decent play. Portis has leaked all the way up here to 7K now, so not too thrilled with that price. He has been really good. 
and he's earned, uh, you know, getting moved to that price. But boy, he was a lot more fun to roster at five one and five three. <clears throat> After that, GPP flyers. If you're looking for a blowout, you can look for a Jordan Nawara. He's usually a guy that just eats off the bench in these type of situations. Hasn't been getting many minutes though, so only GPP ish type of play. Um, the by the way, the uh, Vegas line for uh, if you want to play the Bucks without giving any points, money line, they're minus 1,644. That's the biggest number I've seen this year. So I'm not thinking the Pistons are going to win this game. All right. <clears throat> we continue in this 8 p.m. parade of games. Washington Wizards, New Orleans Pelicans, low total here, big time. Washington minus four, only 207, so that stings. 105.5 for Washington implied, 101.5 for the Pelicans. Uh, breakdown on this game as far as injuries, we've got, um, where are, where's New Orleans? There they are. We've got uh, Brian and Hashimura remain out for Washington. No new injuries there. Um, Devontae Graham is questionable, so that's important in the rotation. Uh, Luzada and Zion, my buddy Cheeseburgers, uh, Williamson is still out. Um, interesting to see how this is going to fly. Washington comes in at 11-6. and six. Pelicans, a miserable 3-16. and 16. Um Let's look at the statistical look here. We have, where's Washington? 25th in pace, not good. New Orleans, 21 in pace, not good. That's why it's 207. As far as offensive efficiency, not good either. 19th and 26th. But this gives you a little hope. Washington's down to 10th. They've been in the top 10 defensively, but they've slide, slid down a little bit lately. So maybe that, you know, that defense is, is showing some holes. Uh, and Pelicans are second worst in the league. So, you know, if this game stays close enough, this could be a fine game to, to grab somebody, a one-off somewhere, because people are going to be afraid of it because of the low total. But I think there's some potential there. You have Spencer Dinwiddie at 7K, um, which is you can consider. Beal's at 9-3. And Kuzma at 6-4. Not bad. Uh, you've got the timeshare between Gafford and Harrell that makes me nervous. So I'm not going to look on that side. If Graham sits, you know, you've got potential of, of Nikhil Alexander-Walker at 5-3. Garrett Temp Temple at Deadman 3K has been getting minutes. He's a possible guy if you really want to go stars and scrubs. Josh Hart has sort of been everybody's high-owned pick recently. He is up to 5'9", so you do have to think a little bit about it now at this point. Um, and Brandon Ingram is down to a reasonable price now. He's 7'7", so, you know, not a perfect spot for him, but he gets to go against his old buddy uh, Kyle Kuzma uh, from their Lakers days. So we'll see. That should be interesting. <clears throat> Not a target game for me, but I think there are some plays here uh, if you want to get a one-off and some exposure. I think uh, they can pay off at low-owned and really make your roster work. All right. There's still three more 8 o'clock games. This is crazy. Uh, Utah, Oklahoma City. 
We've got uh, Utah by 12 and a half, so another big spread. 210 is, is the total, 111.25 for Utah and 98.75 for the Thunder. So we have our first sub 100, which is not a good thing in the space of DFS. Um, let's take a look here. Where are they at? <clears throat> we have so many eight o'clock games. I have to shuffle through all kinds of games every time. Utah, where are you? Let's see here. There they are. 11 and six thunder six and 11. So you're not seeing double or however you want to call that. Um, no injuries for Utah still unbelievable that they've been able to play this much of the year and just have had almost no injuries whatsoever. The, the big news for Oklahoma city is Shea is out. Um, it says he's doubtful, but I've read he's out. So I am definitely not counting him in there. And that makes a big difference because, you know, he's their top usage guy and it's not even close. Um, it, it probably is going to make Josh Giddy one of the more popular plays again uh, as uh, also. So, <clears throat> all right, we've got, statistically speaking, decent pace here. Average 14th and 13th. Offensive efficiency, efficiency, we know Utah is terrific. They're second. Oklahoma City with the youngsters, only 29th, second to last. Uh, defensive efficiency, Utah in that top 10, they're eighth. Oklahoma City, they've won some games because they've at least remained in the middle of the league uh, at 16th. So price-wise, who's a, a bargain here? Um, Conley at 5'9". You know, whenever you get sub 6K Conley, it, it that does definitely get your attention. Um, Donovan Mitchell at 8-3 is probably going to get put in the torture chamber, and this game could blow out, so I don't want to spend up there. Um, really, Rudy Gobert at 8-7, I mean, he should have everything his way. I mean, you got Favors, who's, you know, got some experience in there, and JRE at the power forward gives him a couple of bigs. Don't know if I want to go up uh, to that price with Gobert. I think there are some other more uh, healthy priced uh, centers that you can get at a better bargain. Uh, Clarkson at 5-1 off the bench can always blow it up, but more of a GPP play. Again, I think a lot of guys are going to go to Giddy and Gals that play. 6.6 uh, .6 is still very fair. He's playing point now. With Shea out, he's got the ball in his hands. He's a tremendous passer. If you want to watch a guy that reminds me like of a Steve Nash, Magic Johnson, I'm serious. Not yet at this point in his career, obviously, but the way he sees the floor and how he can deliver the ball with both hands, uh, you know, just very unique player that I think is going to be a star in this league. But at 6'6", um, he's definitely playable for me. Uh, Dort at 5-1 is also playable just because he's going to get that assignment when Mitchell's in there. And uh, statistically, offensively, he's been doing better. Uh, after that, I don't really want to – I don't need more value there. Baisley, Robinson, Earl, Favors, those guys are all fairly priced. But I just – on a slate this big, it's sort of senseless to, uh, to go that deep. All right, Chicago Bulls, Houston Rockets. Uh, Chicago's favored by nine, totals 213, 111 implied, which is solid for Chicago, 102 for Houston. So uh, not 
as pleasant of a total for the Rockets. Chicago comes in at 12-6, and six, and Houston comes in at a stellar 1-16, uh, not the way it's supposed to happen. Wall remains after Houston. All their youngsters are playing, though. For Chicago, Javante Green is probable. Uh, the two big questions that will shift the entire uh, Chicago team here, Caruso and Vukovic are questionable. So that is extremely important news that we need to get, and Patrick Williams is out. So uh, definitely very news-dependent there for sure. Uh, statistically speaking here, Chicago is 16th in pace. Houston is playing at the fastest pace in the league, so it does make you want to put some Chicago guys in there uh, just because of the, the fit here, and it's only a minus nine because it's in Houston. So if they can just hang in there, this could be a nice game actually to roster uh, for sure. Or problem is if it blows out, it, it can definitely uh, burn you on the other side. As far as uh, offensive efficiency, Chicago ninth, Houston dead last. And defensive efficiency, Chicago's ninth and Houston only 20th. So to me, <clears throat> this could be a key game. If, if Vukovic sits and Caruso sits, I really like the fact that Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, and DeMar DeRozan would just have all the usage that they could possibly eat. And you got Lonzo Ball at 6'8", Levine at 9K, DeRozan at 9'2". <clears throat> I wouldn't recommend um, more than one of those, those three unless both guys are out. If Caruso and Vuk sit, and they're playing like Bradley at center and then a combination of maybe Kobe White, Javante Green, Desunmu. You know, those guys would fill in for Caruso. But those guys aren't high usage guys at all. So that's, you know, that's what I would do. I would have no problem going with like a ball DeRozan, uh, you know, and take two guys. Not many teams I'm going to take two guys from. But in this matchup with, with such a terrible defense and a high pace, I think that that can really pay off for you. Now, if Vuk and Caruso play, then all bets are off because now you've got Vuk diving in there with really solid usage numbers. And Caruso handles the ball. He gets DFS points, and they do directly take them away from Ball, Levine, and DeRozan. So let's get that news. If one of them sits, probably going to play one bull. If they both sit, I'll probably play two bolts. On the other side of the ball, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. has been out for a couple games. He's at 5'9". He gets to mix back in there with Jalen Green. Um, not jumping out of my seat for those guys. Green is 4'5", which is really cheap. Christian Wood has shifted down a little bit uh, to 7'4", but his minutes at times are a little shaky and he hasn't been producing like he did last year. So not high, really, on the Rockets' side of the ball. All right, believe it or not, this is our last 8 o'clock game. It feels like there was 20 of them. But <clears throat> it's the Miami Heat and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Minnesota, a scant one-point favorite. Can you believe Minnesota's a favorite over Miami? That is the line of the night that shocks me right there. Uh, it's a 2.12.5 uh, total. Uh, 105.75 implied for Miami and Minnesota 106.75. So I would not, I mean, I'm generally right around what the number should be. 
I would have thought Heat by three and a half. And for Minnesota to be favored here is just shocking to me. All right, <clears throat> let's take a look at that matchup. Heat 12 and 6, Minnesota 8 and 9. Injury-wise, uh, it's not like any of the key guys are out for Miami either. Uh, Garrett is probable. Morris and Oladipo remain out. The only person questionable for Minnesota is a Kogi, and he's had limited uh, run uh, for them off the bench anyway. Statistically speaking, as far as this game goes, uh, we've got the Miami Heat playing at the 27th fastest pace, and they're on the second night of a back-to-back. That's the only reason that I would imagine uh, Minnesota's favorite here. But, you know, we know that Spolster doesn't like to push his guys, but the bottom line is they're off tomorrow. You know, I think they want to go in there and win this game. I think they're going to read the box score there to see that they're underdogs, and that's not going to sit pretty with them. Plus, Minnesota's ninth in pace. So that big pace-up game for Miami, that helps. Offensive efficiency, Miami's been tough all year at six. Minnesota at 21. Defensive efficiency is the problem, and that's where you don't want to have too much exposure to this game. Miami's fourth, and Minnesota is an incredible sixth. They have just shot up the defensive rankings. So, you know, touch and go game here. You know, what do you really want to push the button on? You know, Butler's 10K, certainly, you know, a playable commodity, but Bam is playing at 8-4. Tyler Hero had a big game for me last night at 7-5 and low ownership. Those guys are all playable. I like Hero a bit. Butler's expensive. And, you know, I think Bam's a good good play too. But at 8-4, that's the question mark. And it's a back-to-back. So, you know, I think guys like Bam are going to lose a few minutes. Deadman will probably get an extra four or five minutes run. And you just really can't afford that uh, DFS points-wise. I think Butler gives a good go to it because he needs to be in there to defend because, you know, they have some tough matchups here with D'Angelo Russell and Ant. And uh, those two guys, you know, really need to be defended and defended well. Patrick Beverly is going to create some trouble probably on the other side for Lowry. Um, So that makes him a little bit tougher to get to. Cat at 9-4 isn't going to be my choice with Bam and Dwayne Dedman defense. Um, you know, to me, it's determine who Butler's going to guard. Is it going to be D'Angelo or is it going to be Edwards? I personally think that Lowry's going to guard Russell and Butler's going to guard Ant. So, you know, that makes it a little bit tough. This is a great game. It's a game I want to watch. I think it's an exciting game, but it doesn't seem to me as a game that that screams out to be owned here because you've got tough defensive matchups. Uh, but if it does stay as close as it is, you can take a shot on a D'Angelo Russell at 7-3. Uh, if you're going to use one of your buy-ups, Jimmy Butler at 10K is a good play too. I think that uh, you know he could have a, a bust-out game here. But again, it's a back-to-back, so be careful. Spolster's not a guy to overplay his guys. All right, we have an 8.30 game, and then we have two late games at 10 o'clock. So we're down to the final three, uh, 10 down, three to go. Atlanta Hawks, San Antonio Spurs. Atlanta, 
is favored by four, and we have the second highest total on the slate at 222. 113 applied for Atlanta, 109 for San Antonio. And you've got the Atlanta Hawks at 20th in pace, San Antonio fourth. You've got uh, offensive efficient, efficiency. Atlanta can score the ball at five, San Antonio 24th. Neither team tearing it up defensively, especially Atlanta, a horrible 26th, and the San Antonio Spurs 17th. As far as the game set here goes, it's Atlanta 9 and 9, the Spurs 4 and 12. We've got De- DeAndre Hunter and Okongwu out for Atlanta. Uh, Dougie McBuckets is questionable for San Antonio, and Zach Collins remains out. So, where do we look at at this game? Statistically, it's not, you know, uh, a game where you can really avoid it. I mean, there's enough points to go around. The defenses aren't playing well, and there's a lot of bargains. So let's talk about, first of all, Trey Young at 9-5. Yes, he gets DeJounte Murray defense. Murray's 9-6, and he's been a triple-double machine. He has been over 10K, and this is a great, great spot for him. Now, I have not I don't think I've rostered Murray since he's gone into these nine and tens in prices, but this might be the spot. He may be one of my key buy-ups because I think people know he's playing well. I just like this spot at home against Atlanta, uh, day before Thanksgiving, Island game. Just uh, I think Murray has the potential to really get it done tonight. So he's my sort of my sleeper play at a nine-six price if you can be a sleeper at that price. Um, after that, though, you've got Bogdanovich, Herter, Collins, Capella, Gallinari, Reddish, Lou Williams. They're all getting minutes. Um, prices just don't dive off the sheet for me. Collins can get it done at times at 7-2. Not thrilled about Capella at 7-4 going against Jakob Pertl defense that is pretty solid. Uh, I wouldn't mind Jakob Pertl on the other side at 5-7, but Pop is, has been bringing him back slowly. And uh, also, uh, you know, Capella's a, a fine defender. Um, as far as other players on this side for, for San Antonio, uh, White's cheap, McDermott's questionable, so you don't want to mess with him. Keldon Johnson at 5-5 is a pretty darn good price. Uh, likewise, you know, Kevin Herter on the other side at 4-6. And I will say this, Bogdanovich has been shooting the ball better, but he's scoring dependent and he's only 4-7. So he's not dead out of the question for me. Uh, I will consider uh, a couple of those guys. But I think at the 222 number in this game set, I would like to have some exposure to this game. Okay, we're down to the final two, folks. Uh, Real quickly, all I want to say here is DFSCoachTalk.com. Check us out. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit the thumbs up, the subscribe button. Give us a little comment. Also hit the little bell in the upper corner. That will alert you every time one of our podcasts posts live and premiere. So you can watch it, get in live chat with us. We'll answer questions. It's been really successful. We've been doing that the last... Uh, two or three weeks in basketball and football, thanks to our man, Joe Stanton. And so it's uh, all looking good. So get in there with us when they premiere. You'll get that alert if you hit that little bell button in the top. If you're listening to audio-wise, a quick five stars and a little comment. 
<clears throat> whether it's on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is. If you do that, uh, we'll pull one random person from the group that puts five stars in a comment monthly. Only one week left to go in this month's November's contest. And you get a free full week all access of Coach Talk. So dive in that with us as well. If you want to check us out on Twitter, we're at DFS Coach Talk. I am at Joe Sarvati, J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I. All right, last two games. Philadelphia, Golden State. Golden State by 11 to 16 and a half total. 102.75 for Philly. 113.75 for Golden State. As far as uh, injuries go, we have Philadelphia. Just a plethora of confusion. How about questionable tags on Seth Curry, uh, Danny Green, and Tobias Harris? And then we know that Embiid and Simmons are out. So you basically have their starting five in some of the games last year as possibly all being out. That's unusual. So what we do know is Tyrese Maxey's in and Drummond's in, and then we have to figure out all the rest with Maz and Milton and everything else. So we'll go over that a bit. Golden State has three guys out, Iguodala, Clay Thompson, and Mr. Wiseman. He has been out all season thus far. Statistically speaking, Philadelphia, second to last in pace. That doesn't help matters. Uh, but Golden State is seventh, so good pace up game for Philly. Uh, third in offensive efficiency for Philly, which is very weird. So they don't play fast, but they do know how to score the ball a lot of good vets on that team. Golden State first in the league in offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. That's how dominant they've been. And I mean, you can see it right there with their record. They're 15 and 2, which is just, you know, hammering everybody. Philly's 10 and 8, which is really impressive considering the massive amount of injuries and people sitting out, etc. So, where do we go here? Tyrese Maxey, if all those guys are out, let's just say, I mean, you got to look at Tyrese Maxey right away at 7-5. Andre Drummond at 8-2. Cork uh, Maz at 4-5. Thibel possibly, more GPP-ish for me at 3-6. Uh, same thing with Niang at 4-7 and Shake Milton at 4-8. They're also going to get play from Isaiah Joe at 3-2 if those guys are out. So let's follow the news. And then we'll be able, when we see who's in and out, where those value plays are going to pop up. But having the right value play or two from Philly could make or break the slate for you. So that's something we're going to follow closely. Uh, Maxi jumps off the board for me here, though, at that 7-5 and is very likely to make my, my lineups. As far as the Golden State side, we have Steph Curry. Uh, didn't play much the last time, you know, last game out. You know, he could... He could have a monster here. He's 11-4, which is a lot, but I think, you know, deserves to be in contention for your top pay-up spot. He's one of my top five pay-up considerations here. Jordan pulls up to 7-1 now, which is a little troublesome. Wiggins at 7-4, still a bit high. You can go Draymond at 6-7. Um, you know, that's, you know, let's see if Tobias plays and how that uh, plays out. After that, I, uh, you know, really don't want, uh, you know, Gary Payton's 4K, I get it. You know, he's going to get some minutes, et cetera. But 
to me, that's it's really all about Curry. Possibility for Green. If you can pay up for a Puller Wiggins, that's fine. I don't know if I'm going to have enough salary to do that. But I'm probably going to have two people exposed from the Philly side looking like Maxi, and then one of those phenomenal values, depending on who's out, specifically Cork Maz, uh, uh, Curry if he plays, uh, Thibel if he's in the starting lineup. So let's follow that closely because uh, that's going to make a difference. And if you want to roster somebody in there, make sure you put them in that utility or the, the spot where you can uh, move them out. If somebody gets uh, put in or out of lineups for those 10 o'clock games, be able to do some shifting. And you'll, you have lots of uh, guys that you can shift to because this next game is the highest total game on the entire board, and it happens to be the last one of the night. And it's a close spread. So everybody's going to be on this game like crazy. Portland minus two, a big 226. And then you've got that magic thing that doesn't happen that much this season where both sides are implied totals over 110. Portland's 114, Sacramento 112. So definitely a target game. And guess what? No injuries on either side. And you have that piece of Alvin Gentry has taken over for Luke Walton. And he's going to push the ball. He's going to favor some guys in this lineup. And I think you're going to be able to get some really good uh, good deals here. Uh, Portland's 10 and 8, Sacramento's 6 and 12, but a little bit new life with a new coach in there, especially since Luke was one of the poor coaches in the league. Uh, it is a second night of a back to back for Portland. They're one of the four teams that did play last night. So that is a concern. Dame's been injured on and off throughout the year. Uh, they don't usually push Nurkic very hard on back to back. So there is some concern there. But I will say, pace wise, again, Portland 18. Sixth for Sacramento. Uh, defense, uh, offensive efficiency, fourth and 17th, respectively. And two terrible defenses. Portland 27th, Sacramento 25th. So, paced up game, bad defense, close spread. This, you got to have exposure here. I'm going to try to fit in two guys in the mix here. I doubt I'm going to pay up for uh, Dame. It's 9-7. Uh, although I think he could have a monster game. He really could, but uh, not totally counting him out. May be able to make a, a GPP lineup work with him in it. CJ's fair at 7-6. He's coming off a big game last night. Norman Powell at 5-4, more of a hit or miss. And after that, really not a lot of interest for, on the Portland side. On the Sacramento side, though, I think there are some guys that stand out a bit. De'Aaron Fox at 7-6, playing with... New Reckless Abandon, he's one of my favorite plays on the slate. Uh, I love the fact that Gentry's just really having him go, push it, and get it done. And we know Damon McCollum and even Simons are not strong defenders. So Fox, a strong play for me. Uh, I think you could consider Halliburton at 5'8 or Barnes at 6'2. Uh, those guys are both interesting to me, as is Buddy Hill at 5'6. I like the prices on those three guys. Wouldn't mind at all having uh, one of them. So Fox and one of the values for me on Sacramento would be terrific. And if I can find a way to get to one of the key Portland guys in Lillard McCollum specifically, uh, one or the other would be great. But don't know if I can quite make it there. 
All right. That's 13 games. That's 26 teams. That's every statistical analysis you're going to get. That's a little eyeball watching the games, predicting who's going to get it done. So I really hope this helps uh, everybody get some winning lineups. Nothing like crushing the slate uh, the night before Thanksgiving. Uh, I want to take this moment too here at the end. I know it's been a long podcast, but I guaranteed I was going to get it under an hour and we are at like 56 and a half minutes. So I'm proud of that, but it did give me enough time to say how much we appreciate you here at DFS Coach Talk. Those that listen every day and put comments and send us tweets and everything else and and YouTube comments, uh, it means a ton to us. It keeps us motivated every day. Sometimes you're doing these podcasts and you're wondering who's using the lineups. Are they taking the advice? And we've had some really good winning nights. And uh, just we'd love to hear from you when you win. Let us know. Let us celebrate you a bit. And uh, we'll start announcing some of our the big winners uh, on these podcasts. Uh, that's something we're going to add here after the Thanksgiving break. So uh, really do appreciate all of you and hope all of you uh, have an absolutely wonderful uh, Thanksgiving with your family and friends. Uh, enjoy the, the basketball tonight and then the NFL tomorrow. I know our guys have done a fantastic job. Uh, specifically Andrew Hansen, of course, and Josh Davis, who have all the Thanksgiving football covered. So take a listen to them as well. And uh, again, we've got our best deal ever to join. If you've been thinking about it, uh, look for the Good Friday through Cyber Good Friday. I said that again. Black Friday. Black Friday through uh, Cyber Monday. We're going to have our best deal out there for Coach Talk. So once again, thank you very much. Uh, Have a safe, healthy, blessed, and wonderful uh, Thanksgiving. And we'll be back again here in a couple days in basketball when we look to crush it in NBA DFS.